Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 42. At the end of that week, I grossed over $1,000. And I thought to myself, oh, like, I could be making money doing this. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire. And you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped. And now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar store, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I have joining us Kathy Nolan. Kathy is a characterist and has been illustrating and bringing joy with her art for over 20 years. Her passion for art and people are combined in her method with drawing faces and capturing the essence of her subjects, whether they're adults, children, or or pets. She has drawn famous celebrities such as actress Lily Tomlin, Eat, Pray, Love best-selling author Elizabeth Gilbert, and Marianne Williamson. She's drawn for corporations such as Xyloware Eyewear, CSBC, Citibank, Ann Taylor, and for Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade pre-party. Kathy lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband, Fred Richer, and Pup Ollie. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you, Sue. I'm so excited to be here. It is such fun for you to be here. And I just want to share with our audience that Kathy and I met and have started to become friends through periscoping. So we may bring that up in the conversation as well. But we've had a little bit of a history because we've gotten to know each other some. And I look forward, Kathy, to even hearing your journey that's going to unfold through this podcast as well, because I don't know some of it yet. I'm excited to share. Absolutely. Is there anything you'd like to fill in with the intro before we get started? No, just that I've been drawing all my life and I do corporate parties and events. I also draw people at family gatherings as well as commissioned illustrations also for publications like Scholastic Media as well as highlights for children magazines. So I've done a lot of illustration as well with along with the caricaturing. Super. Well, I'm looking forward to getting in and hearing how that all started. But before we do, our listeners know we like to align the conversation around the life of a motivational candle. The light shines on you while you share and highlight all these stories and experiences. Are you ready to light it up, Kathy? I am. I've got my lighter. All righty. So let's talk about that. You are, I'm going to create a scene here for you, okay? Let's say you're scoping and you wanted the environment to look really nice and kind of festive and, you know, the ambiance really nice. And so you have a motivational candle on your table while you're drawing one of your characters on scope. What color is that candle and what's the quote that's on the candle? I love the color purple. So I feel like purple is a calming color. So my candle would be purple. And on the candle, it would say this amazing quote from Nelson Mandela. And the quote goes like this. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. Ooh, what does that mean to you? 
I feel like it means we're all called to do something and to put ourselves out there, whether it's a talent or a business skill, helping others. And the more that we are successful in what we do and shine our own inner light, we inspire people through our actions by motivating them to tap into their own inner light. So that's where I strongly believe that we can't be afraid to the calling that we're called to do and to just not be afraid to try, you know, not be afraid to try to run that business, not be afraid to try to put yourself out there and to really just try to show up to the calling from within that might be nudging you to move forward in any aspect of a business, whether it's having that meeting with that difficult client or opening up your first boutique store or finally publishing that greeting card. I feel like we're all called to do something Through our own actions, I know we can definitely inspire others to do the same. I love that. I've not heard that quote before. And your explanation is really deep. And I think it's totally on target. It's almost our responsibility if we have something that we know that we can share with everybody to put it out there. Because if we don't, the world's never going to know. Exactly. What came to mind also for me with that quote is that if you're communicating and putting something else out there, it's kind of giving permission to someone else to also take the risk. Like you're saying, don't be afraid to fail. You know, have that meeting, overcome and do something that's hard. If you show by way of example that you're doing it, and yeah, sometimes we might fail. We're just empowering other people to try it for themselves as well. Well, and failure is part of the journey. You know, we're all on this journey together. And when you fail, it's not really a bad thing because when you fail, it's kind of a wake up call like, oops, okay, I'm not on the right path. Let me see where I can do things differently next time around. My husband once said, we always learn the most from the most difficult situations. And it's so true because if everything was going smoothly all the time, well, I don't think we would be learning as much. I agree. And you know what? You're not going to necessarily land the thing that's going to propel you forward the very first time. You have to try something. And if that doesn't work, all right, check it off the list. Try the next thing. And that's where so many people will stop is they'll try something and it didn't work. And they'll say, oh, well, I just I'm not able to do it instead of saying, "Okay, this wasn't the right way. Let me try something else. And it might have been the right way if it was 10 years ago. It just isn't the right way now. Yeah, because you do have to kind of adapt to the changes of what's going on now, especially with technology. So things are very different than they were 15 years ago. And it's, I'm always constantly learning about how can I better myself? How can I better my business? How can I better my art skills? We all can learn and adapt and not being afraid to ask for help is also key because if you've kind of felt like you failed in a certain way, it's just having that dialogue with yourself. Well, is this really right for me? Maybe it's not really right for me and that's okay. I can let that go. Right. Or this didn't work out for me, but who do I know that has a better skill set who's a bit more polished than I am in this regard that I can maybe talk to and ask for some advice or mentor me or maybe I can pay them to do what I didn't do so well. A very good point, reaching out for help. And that's not a sign of weakness. Actually, it's a sign of strength because you're being resourceful. And gift biz listeners, I've talked a lot about an entrepreneur. I think one of the biggest skills that you can have is to be resourceful. And that either means finding the information yourself or finding a person who has that information that you need 
need to lay the groundwork or to overcome, you know, whatever obstacle you're currently encountering. Yeah, and not being afraid to be proactive. I'm a very proactive person. I am the person that will just make it happen. You just got to take initiative because nobody's going to do it for you but you. Not saying that you can't ask for help. Of course, you should ask for help if you feel it's needed. But a lot of people just wait for people to respond back. And when I do my follow-up, the fortune's always in the follow-up. You have to be persistent and consistent. And, you know, I struggle with that in some ways, but in other ways, I'm very good at that in terms of like following up with a particular client. Like, I want to do business with you. What can we do to make this happen? If it's not the right time, then, okay, when can I approach you again? Just trying to nudge the person to say, with my services, I'm here to help you. That's what I just want to say is not to be afraid to be proactive. Very good point about being proactive. So, Kathy, now let's go back. You were mentioning that when you were younger and virtually all your life, you've loved drawing and the whole art area, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about how you got the idea that this could actually merge into a money-making business for you. When I was 10 years old, growing up in the Chicagoland area, we went to Great America, which is that huge amusement park. And it was the first time I was exposed to a caricaturist drawing people. I don't know why, I was fascinated by it to the point where I didn't want to leave the booth. And my siblings were like, come on, come on, we got to get hit, hit up these rides. And I didn't want to leave. I was mesmerized by the fact that these artists were drawing people and getting paid. So I think from such a young age at 10 years old, I just was like, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany, like, this is what I want to do. And then over the years, you know, taking art classes, um, I didn't really start my business until I was 18. When I had graduated college, was visiting friends in Michigan, and a friend of mine dared me. He had dared me to do this county fair. And, you know, I'd been always drawing for like exchange of beer money and things like that in college. But this was the first business opportunity where everything just fell into place. I only had $100 to my name. It was just the right amount of money to pay for participating in this county fair, which was a week long. Things just fell into place. I had my grandfather's car. A friend of mine gave me a place to stay. A teacher had a portable table and chairs. Somebody donated art supplies. Everything just fell into place. And I befriended some people at the fair to keep my equipment overnight. Because, you know, this was like a Sunday through Saturday, working at 12-hour days during this week. And I was just talking to people to my booth, drawing them. And at the end of that week, I grossed over $1,000. And I thought to myself, oh, like... I could be making money doing this. Think about that. I mean, back at that time, that was a lot of money. Exactly. And I loved doing it. And one of the things I had loved at the time was just talking to people, coaxing them to come over so I could draw them. I was hustling people. You have no idea. I'd be like, come over and get drawn. Come over and get drawn. And from that experience, I mean, I've been doing this for over 20 years now, but I actually ended up drawing a Vietnam vet who was telling me all about his different personalities, who's kind of schizophrenic. And 
he was working at the county fair as well, and he loved the drawing. I drew him in the middle and then aspects of his personality around the paper. So you just have to visualize his face in the middle and then smaller faces like as a circle around the big face in the middle. And his wife actually said to me that evening when I was storing my equipment at their place, she said he has never told anybody about his aspects of his personality or his time in Vietnam as a soldier. Wow. I thought to myself, and I was very young at the time, I thought, wow, this is like a mission, like missionary work in a way, where I just talk to people, get to know who they are, I listen to them, and I draw it. And I think that's the thing that I just love so much is connecting with people, finding out who they are, and then drawing them and bringing that aspect of themselves to life through my drawings. It's been pretty successful. I mean, a lot of people are very happy with the style I draw. We All artists have different styles and techniques, but being 18 and doing that county fair was really the kickstart of my business because then I ended up doing the Illinois State Fair, a lot of trade shows in Chicagoland area before I had moved to New York City 17 years ago. That is so interesting. You know, the thing that jumps out at me with that is you're so comfortable in terms of your style with drawing. And I know that from watching you on your scopes, but to be able to pull something out for that Vietnam vet who was, you know, in a very comfortable situation and kind of a little bit off guard in terms of keeping a wall up in terms of who he is and all that. But he had the opportunity to really share information with you that you could then capture, which is just probably an experience he never would have gotten anywhere else. Exactly. And I like to think of it as it was healing in a way for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny how this happened also in the beginning of my career as a caricaturist and an artist, because since then, I haven't really had that kind of experience. But that's okay. You know, I think it was sort of like, okay, this is what I'm called to do. And it's okay. You know, it's about people enjoying who they are and capturing that essence about themselves. Right. Okay, so walk us down the path a little further with your business journey. So you've mentioned that you did the first fair, and then from there you started doing other fairs and conferences and all of that. How did it continue to progress? Well, basically, I partnered up with a few agencies that would do my bookings. A lot of entertainment companies would do that. And keep in mind, this is back in the 90s and the early 2000s before the economic crash. So people were spending a lot of money on parties. And so when I had moved to New York City, I did work in publishing, but that was my nine to five job. And I still did my caricature business by drawing people at like yacht parties and I did loft parties and corporations. So it was more of like connecting with people, telling people, hey, this is what I do. Who can I talk to about getting some bookings or reaching out to corporations? So, you know, sometimes I would look in the phone book and call people at that time, cold calling or sending out flyers and mailers or participating in trade shows. It just kind of built over time. So you really were specifically promoting yourself, talking it up, talking it up to people. Did you have a written plan in terms of, you know, I'm going to be cold calling these types of businesses. I'm going to be setting up brochures. You just, there was no plan. It's just you were getting the word out as many ways as you possibly could with whatever ideas you had. 
Yeah, I mean, I had the business cards printed up, of course, but I didn't really, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't really have a strategy. I just kind of intuitively knew I have a gift of connecting with people and I would just let people know I'm a caricature artist. And one example is I worked in publishing full time, nine to five. I will talk to you more about that with my favorite book that I recently read. I'll explain that more in detail later. But on the side, I had my caricature business. And so the joke would be in my department, oh, yeah, yeah, Kathy's just doing this nine to five job to pay her bills. But we all know what her real job is, because I ended up drawing and, and got paid to do a lot of the employees at Scholastic. So that was sort of one way of promoting my business was just letting people know what I do and showing them, not being afraid to show people, hey, look at my work. You know, are you interested? Do you know anybody who's interested? If somebody says no to you, don't be afraid to ask, well, okay, I know this may not serve your needs now, but do you know of anybody else that would be of interest of my services? Because you don't know who those people know. And I always say to people, always try to get two more names from somebody else that you can follow up with. And then always ask for permission. Can I drop so-and-so's name? And nine times out of 10, people will say no problem. So that when you approach that person that you don't know, you can always say, oh, I got your name through John Doe and he recommended that I speak with you. He thought maybe you'd be needing my services. And then let's say that person says, well, I don't really need that anymore. I don't need that. It doesn't work for me. Then don't be afraid to say, oh, okay. well, do you know of anybody? Like you just keep going down the path of asking or keep me in mind. If you think of anybody, please let me know. I'll follow up with you in a few weeks. Build on that. I want to go back to this because you say you really didn't have a plan, but in a way you had a very clear plan. And the plan was strategically anytime you were able to talk about your business, you did. No matter where it came up or you know, just like you're talking about, if it wasn't exactly for that person, who else do they know? And I think GIFBiz listeners think about this because... No one's going to know about what you do unless you're telling them. People aren't just going to magically appear at your doorstep. And you need to have the pride and the confidence in what you're putting out. In Kathy's case, it's her art and being able to draw live in front of people. And if she hadn't been telling people all the way along, even in areas, you know, just like in her office space, you know, talking just as part of her other job, no one would have known and she wouldn't have been able to build up to the level that she's at today. Exactly. Anything to add to that, Kathy? I was just going to say, people love stories. So even if you're reluctant to tell people what you do, just tell a story. People will always love listening to stories. So maybe you can share an experience you had in relation to your business, or maybe you had a wonderful experience with a particular client and you want to share that story of how your business helped that client out in a jam. People will remember a story like you guys will remember the Vietnam vet story. You know, stories will stick. And if somebody's shy about promoting their business, think of it as just telling somebody a story about an experience you had in relation to your business. And I think it'll take the edge off and the fear out of that. And if you are not hesitant to tell a story about your business or about yourself and how you got into your business, you might be surprised. People will be more inclined to listen to you and hear what you have to say by starting that dialogue. 
That's super input, Kathy. I really appreciate that. And now having said that, I am going to ask you to tell us somewhat of a horror story. Talk to us about a time when things might not have been going so well. Maybe you encountered, you know, a roadblock or a hurdle or something happened that you really had to put some effort forth to be able to carry on. I actually have two stories to share with that. I created some characters when I lived in London called Sheeps. And I... Sheeps? Like S-H-E-E-P-S? Yeah, well, it's actually S-H-H-H-H-E-E-P-Z. Okay. (laughs) So, um, basically, because I was living in London, my husband had a job over there, and I was looking for work, and I thought, well, let me just kind of work for myself, and... I was still doing caricaturing in London, but I wanted to just put my other artwork out there. Long story short, the Al Jazeera's Children's Channel, as my dad would say, you mean the Bin Laden Network? I'm like, no, dad. This is a reputable children's channel. This was back in 2006, and they loved my art, and they wanted to do a TV show with me. So I was actually flown out to Doha, Qatar, totally nervous, totally no guidance whatsoever. Talk about putting myself out there. And they wanted to buy all the worldwide rights to my artwork. And I was like, well, wait a minute, your distribution's only in North Africa. Why would you want to buy worldwide rights? That's what most people do is they'll buy worldwide rights just to get started. Like Matt Groening, when he did The Simpsons, he sold all the rights to Fox. And then when the show became very successful, he was able to renegotiate the rights back. So what I've learned now is that sometimes creators will give all their rights away just to get something started. And then based on the success of a TV show, they can then put themselves in a position to renegotiate. So I really stretched myself. I didn't know anything about TV animation. And I really did. Here I am in this foreign country in the Middle East, all by myself doing the very best I can with what I knew. And the deal didn't really go through. And like I said earlier, I was very persistent, consistent in following up, trying to find out, well, why haven't they gotten back to me? I just needed closure for that part of that experience I went through. And so finally, after being very persistent with them, the woman who I was dealing with said, well, Kathy, uh, we just realized you didn't have enough experience. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And I did ask myself, do you really, Kathy, want to be flying back and forth from London to Doha all the time? Because that's what you would be doing had you partnered up with this channel. And I didn't really want to be doing that. So I felt a bit down after the experience. I felt like I had failed. But here's the funny thing. Years later, I'm back in New York City at an animation conference, and I sit down next to this gentleman who was doing some work with the Al Jazeera's Children's Channel. And I brought up this woman's name to him, saying, just sharing my story with him about who I was dealing with. And you know what he said to me? He said to me, oh, that person? She got fired for embezzling money from the Al Jazeera's Children's Channel. Oh, my gosh. And I sat there dumbfounded because here all along I felt like I failed you know I always have been very confident about my artwork and my ability but I was dumbfounded because rejection sometimes is God's protection and I just said to myself oh my gosh here all these years I felt like I failed I didn't succeed and either it was probably not the right calling for me or it just 
I was just being protected. Yeah. I mean, you may have dodged a real bullet because had you been working side by side with her, however intricate that relationship would have needed to be, you could have been looped into some of that. Exactly. And the other struggle I went through, which is a different story, is I'm back in New York City now and my lawyer from London calls me and she's like, are you aware that Toys R Us has a similar, I had created an intellectual property. I can't really say what it is, but they created a similar intellectual property and the categories are very similar. Long story short, this lawyer was reaching out to me to say, hey, you could have a case. Let me take it on. And so I was really frightened by that because a lot of corporations will rip off a lot of artists' work. I had a friend who had a lawsuit with DreamWorks, and these corporations will just drag creators through the legal nightmare because they have the money. And, you know, an independent creator like myself, we're a small business, you know, we don't have like those big legal guns behind us. So I felt really frightened, not frightened, but just I was upset. I was like, okay, I don't want my intellectual property that I worked so hard on to get ripped off. You know, it was fascinating because in that journey, I was very persistent and consistent. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but I just wanted to make sure that I was protected with my artwork. So you did advance with some legal action? Yeah. So what happened was I was the one coaching, though, the UK lawyer. He would be like, "Okay, I'm thinking of calling Toys R Us. And I'm like, no, you just need to say like I was coaching him like, no, you have to say I'm going to call you at this date. We're like you have to be proactive. You can't be polite with these people. This is a corporation we're dealing with. So in a way, it was like I was coaching the lawyer about how to handle this corporation. Because of my tenacity and being persistent, this lawyer left the firm and I ended up dealing with the partner who owns the firm. So she and I were working together. And, you know, one of the things I'm very good at is always showing appreciation. When people work really hard for you, you have to show appreciation for them to keep going. And it got to a point, this is like a nine month process I went through. It finally got to a point where she was able to get them to provide a settlement for a certain amount, but it was the same amount of the legal fees. And so I said to her, well, why would I pay you these legal fees if this is the same amount that they're going to settle with me? You know, that doesn't, I'm not going to pay these legal fees. So long story short, I got her to waive her legal fees. I got my settlement from Toys R Us and I sent her a really nice expensive gift to thank her for her time and energy. I could have kept going fighting this corporation, but she wanted to be done with the case. Right, right. So that's the fascinating part too, is that because I'm so passionate about my art and protective of it, I have no qualms fighting for what I believe is right. And I guess what I learned from that experience was, wow, my work is good to the point where corporations want to rip it off. You do have to be careful because there are people who will try to get something out of, I I don't know how to word this. I think that lawyer called me because he just wanted money for himself and didn't realize he was dealing with the wrong person. Right, right. Because I did get my settlement, you know. (laughs) 
simply yeah. didn't think I was going to get anything. And, you know, I just took control of that situation as yeah. best as I could. And I prayed a lot. You know, I did pray a lot. Like, why is this happening? Let me just get through this. What I learned about that is it's very important to be tenacious and to be persistent, consistent. Even if you're going through a difficult time, always have faith and hope that there's going to be a reason for it and a, an outcome. This is a great story to share, Kathy, because Gift Biz listeners, I want you to really listen and think about the story that Kathy just said and how she stood up for her rights. And a lot of us who are in the creative industry, whether it's intellectual property because it's a physical piece like a, a photo that you've done or jewelry that you've made or intellectual property that you've created, just because you've made it, it has such great value. And I think a lot of us don't think of it that way because we've put it together ourselves. Mm -hmm. But it is valuable and it's so important because it differentiates you from anybody else. No one else can draw like Kathy draws. No one else can put together jewelry like others of you who are out there or bake cakes and design cakes with the fondant and all that like you can't do it like the person next to you. You do it in your own creative way. And that's really, really important, number one, to continually recognize, but also to protect, just like Kathy's talking about with her story. And let me just say, I did not want to go through that experience with that whole lawsuit thing. It was not pleasant. It was not easy. But I'm very happy that chapter closed in my life. And what I learned from it was... You know, we all have this inner strength within and sometimes life will throw you a challenge to test you. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that experience, but just that I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah. Yet at the same time, it showed my inner strength and how important my art is to me to the point where I am willing to fight tooth and nail if I have to. That has been such great input, Kathy. I'm going to roll now into our reflection section. And this is a look at you and what has helped you to be successful along the way. And some of it we already have a feel for from your Vietnam vet story in terms of making people feel comfortable and willing to share when you're drawing them. But what else or how would you expand on that trait? Or is there another trait that you have that you think has helped you to be successful? Um, well, being a creative person, I feel that we always think outside the box in terms of how do we get noticed? How can I do things differently than other people are promoting themselves? How can I differentiate myself? Like sometimes I'll look at people I admire and see what they're doing and just maybe take bits and pieces of what they're doing and then make it into my own in terms of like marketing myself or, um, oh, I didn't think about this. That's a great idea. Wonderful. What tool do you use regularly to keep productive or to help create balance in your life? I use a calendar. I'm very old fashioned. I have a big calendar in my office and I put in dates and times of meetings. And I also love my iPhone where I schedule for calls. I love using Hootsuite for uh, social media and Facebook to schedule things out. And I love Periscope. Periscope is great too. But in terms of keeping myself on track, I've always been a very organized person. So that just comes naturally for me. 
tell us just a little bit about how you're using Hootsuite. I think that would be really interesting. With Hootsuite, what's really great about this program and software is you can schedule ahead of time on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on your personal Facebook page, on your Facebook business page. So one of the things like, let's say I'm taking a trip because I do travel a lot. If I'm going to be gone for a week, I love this program because I can pre-schedule things so that when I'm on my vacation, I don't have to worry about marketing myself on social media. So I will either do quotes or I will create something in Canva, upload it through Hootsuite. So basically, like a Sunday night, I will just, okay, what do I want to communicate this week? Or who do I want to draw this week? And I will just try to think ahead of time. I like to pre-schedule that. Are you doing it then on your computer or on your phone? Or I love my desktop. Okay. Uh, On my desktop usually, but let's say I'm away and I forgot. I'll use my iPhone as well. What I usually do when I'm overseas is I will, before I leave, I will schedule things ahead of time on Hootsuite to send things out. Got it. That's a great explanation. Thank you. What book have you read lately that you think our listeners could find value in? I think everybody listening should get Elizabeth's new book, Creative Magic. It was recently published, and I loved reading this book. First of all, I just love her way of writing. She's just so real and raw. I've met her in person. She's a lovely person. What I love about this book is I've always known I've been creative, but I know there's a lot of people out there that don't think they are, and it's not true. And this is a great book to read because she explains how Creativity is like a muse. It comes and it goes. You cannot tame it. It's like this wild horse that, you know, she explains in her book about ideas and how it comes. And you can take an idea and take it so far. And about how we always put pressure on ourselves to be a full-time fledged artist all the time. And she talks about giving yourself permission to play and tapping into your inner kid. There's a chapter in her book where she's like, oh, these artists that say, I'm going to be a full-fledged 100% artist. And you're putting pressure on yourself to pay those bills. And I kind of experienced that myself. When I was doing caricaturing full-time, 110% of the time, it took the fun out of it. So what I'm just trying to say is this book is a great book to read because it encourages each and every one of us to tap into our creativity. We all have that creative aspect of ourselves. Some of us had found it sooner than others, but it's there. It's a great read. It's a really great read. Wonderful. And Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible, as you know, and you can get an audiobook just like the one Kathy's recommending for free. All you need to do is go to Gift bizbook.com and make your selection. That's giftbizbook.com. All right, Kathy, before we get on to my favorite thing, which is your dare to dream question, I first want to ask you, what would be the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? 
Oh, thank you. The best way to get in touch with me is just send me an email at Kathy at Kathy Nolan.com with a C, or you can tweet me at Kathy Nolan Art, or reach me on Facebook, send me a Facebook message. I do have a Facebook page, Kathy Nolan Caricaturist. If you are interested in me drawing you or promoting your business on my Periscope channel, which is also Kathy Nolan Art, just get in touch with me or contact me through my website, KathyNolan.com. There is a contact page at the very end of the website. Wonderful. And now I would like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. This is your dream or your goal, Kathy, of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your virtual box? Hmm. Inside my virtual box is the unwavering belief in God's plan for me. Sometimes in life, we don't know why we're on a certain path, but having that trust and belief that it is all coming together, there is a supreme destiny for each and every one of us. Even if you're feeling you're not on the right path, you have to center yourself and ask yourself, well, what's the one thing I can do today to move forward in the right direction? And just having that trust, that trust that, you know, it's all good. It's all falling into place and just taking one day at a time. Love that message. And we've all pretty much done that, taken that one step moving forward by all being together here today, listening to all of this information. You have said so many really important things for our audience. I really appreciate it, Kathy. Oh, thank you. The comments about what an artist, you know, the value of the art that you provide to the world, how important it is. I know that all of us being together and listening to you speaking and you sharing your information will move all of us forward in a much better way. And let's just say that that's also belief in God's plan that we were all supposed to be together on this podcast today. How about that? I love that. And I do hope with the Gift Biz listeners that I've inspired you to even like have an art date with yourself or get out some crayons and just draw a picture. And it's okay. Just don't be afraid to play and tap into your inner kid and give yourself permission to be childlike towards your business too. Because if you always stay curious, you'll be led to a path that you may never have thought about being on before. That should be a quote from you, Kathy, somewhere. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Well, thank you once again. I appreciate your time, all the information that you've shared. And Kathy, may your candle always burn bright. Thank you, Sue, for having me. It's been a joy to be with you. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com slash tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information. 
after you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well. 